0: In this episode, we welcome retired FBI agent, Chris Voss, who was the lead international kidnapping negotiator for the FBI. And he was also part of the New York City Joint Terrorism Task Force. We discussed the mindset that is required to get you through difficult negotiations in your life. We're also introduced to emotional intelligence. Stand by. Welcome to the Man of War podcast, where we forge men into warriors and get them battle ready for the game of life. Learn warrior hacks that strengthen your mindset, self-confidence, courage, and personal protection skills. Unlock a life that embodies a warrior spirit for dynamic success in life and in business. If you're joining us for the first time, you're tuning in to the one and only podcast that empowers you to achieve greatness by living the warrior lifestyle. Each show, we interview elite men from around the globe and delve deep into their mindset and daily rituals, uncovering their secrets to success. I'm Rafa Conde, founder and creator of the Man of War movement. Join me on this life-altering journey where we recharge your mind, body, and spirit. Hey guys, just a quick order of business. Stop by our website, manofwar.live, and pick up a free copy of our new guide titled Seven Steps to Becoming a Modern Day Warrior. And if you're ready to take it up to the next level, stop by warriorbreed.co and join the growing brotherhood of men just like yourself. Get into the Warrior Development Program. This program focuses on forging men like yourself into warriors. All right, let's get right into it. So welcome to the show, Chris. How are you today? I'm fantastic. Thanks for having me on. We are specifically a podcast that uh, focuses on forging men into warriors and the bottom line is that with your experience being in the FBI and being a hostage negotiator, I'm sure you got some great stories and some great, great advice for us, for sure.
1: Well, I hope so. I like to think that, uh, that there's a lot of relationship between those ideas, so yeah, let's, let's jump in.
0: All right, great. Uh, first of all, tell us a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your background.
1: Uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of the definition of a regular guy, I think, uh, small town, Midwestern guy. Blue collar upbringing, you know, stay at home mom, entrepreneurship, father. He had his own small business, he was working for my dad as far back as I can remember. We just a very straightforward, you know, figured out common sense kind of approach to life. Uh cop in Kansas City for a few years, Kansas City, Missouri. I love my time. there. absolutely love my time. Joined mm-hmm. the FBI. Pittsburgh and then New York, I was on a SWAT team in Pittsburgh and uh, made the transition from SWAT to hostage negotiation when I was in New York, part of the Joint Terrorist Task Force. The other thing I loved about my New York time also was that, you know, NYPD cops were my partners and uh, it was a great gig. We did some crazy stuff, worked really hard, made some good cases. Hostage negotiation ended up completely taking over my life. Shortly thereafter, became the FBI's lead international kidnapping negotiator and, of course, made the natural transition from hostage negotiation to business negotiation and ended up, of all places, like, you know, I am a stupid small-town boy from Iowa, and I end up teaching negotiation at Harvard Law School, which to me is just ridiculously surreal. And, you know, I've been teaching uh, hostage negotiation for business and personal life since uh, 2009. Book came out last
0: year. That's great. That's uh, your book for for listeners. If they don't know, uh, you want to go ahead and tell them the title. Never
1: split the difference. Uh, Never split the difference. So you know, which is a basic idea from hostage negotiation to begin with, because you know, like how do you split the difference with hostages? You know, do, do, do I take, do I take the tall skinny one? You get the short fat one, you know, what what's fair about that? So yeah, never split the difference.
0: All right. So talk to us a little bit about your mindset, going into a hostage negotiation incident, a critical incident.
1: Well, you know, it's kind of crazy because I want everything. I want to get all my objectives. And I want you to feel really good about that also. I want I want a great collaborative working relationship. You know, it's not about win lose because the problem with the win lose mindset is if I win you lose, if you lose you resent me and you're going to pay me back. The long term consequences of that are just bad all the way around. But I still want to win. You know, and I and I don't I don't look at it as win-win either because that that, that whole phrase has come to be distorted. But yeah, hostage negotiator, I'm gonna figure out I'm gonna figure out what's eating at you. I'm gonna get as far as I can using emotional intelligence. And what we found out as hostage negotiators is the distance you can get with emotional intelligence is nine times out of ten. You can get the whole way there without ever giving anything up. And then if you give something up, you know what, you know, a hostage negotiator, I'm going to give you a couple of cigarettes for a human being. I'm going to give you a glass of water for a human being. I mean, is that by definition any sort of a fair exchange of value? But no, I'm going to get what I want, giving up very little, and, and then leave you want to deal with me again if we ever cross paths. So that's what a hostage negotiator's approach is.
0: That's great. So give us an example of a situation that you were in That you had to really step up to the plate and use all your skills and that uh, at one point or another, you thought it might break you down, but you kind of persevered through it with your mindset, with your warrior mindset.
1: Well, interesting, too. I mean, stepping up to the plate, I came across it was a hostage negotiator who was teaching in Louisiana, state trooper, great attitude. You know and, and to paraphrase his his uh, attitude on stepping up to the plate it was you know you don't rise to the occasion nobody rises to the occasion you fall to your highest level of preparation you know it's like jordan hitting a winning shot because he practiced it a thousand times so stepping up to to the plate is 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 rising to your level of preparation it's a practice um the first Major hostage negotiation I got ever got involved in was almost like right off the bat. It was a bank robbery with hostages, which a bank robbery with hostages with negotiation happens in a whole. You, it's a rare event. I mean, it's a Black Swan in and of itself, which is the name of my com- company, the Black Swan Group. But that just doesn't happen. Occasionally, hostages get taken in banks, but bad guys get out of there. They just don't get trapped inside. I mean, I. You see it in the movies all the time. You almost never see it on TV or in in reality. All right. So, but when I got on the phone in the in the bank, I mean, I just I relied on my my training. I relied on my preparation. I'd been I'd been volunteering on a suicide hotline at that point for about two years regularly. I mean, I was ready. I just fell into my training. I fell into the process, and I worked as a team. You know, I took coaching from the people around me. I took guidance from uh, the uh, the team leader at the time, and uh, it was an FBI NYPD joint negotiation. So the guy that was team leading was a brilliant guy named Hugh McGowan from, who was the NYPD team leader, and and Hugh gave me some great insights, and other people gave me great suggestions, and and you know, i my training carried me through. I, I I never I never felt like I was going to crumble there. And, you know, sometimes you you stick to your process, and if you work within a team, and you're listening to other people, I don't know you ever get overwhelmed. The situation might not, you may not fix the situation. It might not be within reach, but I think the real key issue, you know, to be a warrior is to is is to really understand how it is to to function as a team, and 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 let the strength of the strength of the pack is the wolf. Strength of the wolf is the pack. I mean, that that absolutely plays to that.
0: Excellent. Excellent. Some good information there. Did you have a mentor at all growing up or getting into the FBI? I mean, what brought you there?
1: Um, not into the FBI, per se. I mean, I think I have picked up mentors along the way. And, and mentors are, are ridiculously easy to pick up, um, which a lot of people, I think, are stunned by. And, and the reason why people have so much trouble with mentors, I mean, a mentor is simply... You pick out somebody who you know is going to give you good answers, and you ask them how to do something. And then, then you do something crazy after they answer you. You actually do it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's great. I and like I, that.
1: I think that's why so many people have trouble with mentors because, um, you know, when I, was, when I was in the FBI, uh, the veteran agents were always looking out for the younger agents that we would dismiss because they did what we called shop opinions. And it's somebody that walks around and asks questions and they ignore every answer until they hear an answer they like. And then when they hear the answer they like, which is what they wanted to do anyway, then they do it anyway. And it's, it's stupid. And, and we always had our guard up for people that would shop for opinions. I became a hostage negotiator because I went to the woman that was in charge of the hostage negotiation team in New York and I, you know, I asked her, I presented myself, I was very impressed with myself at the time, and she was completely unimpressed. <laughs> and she kind of shooed me away. But then I, you know, the, from this background, and like, you, you know, figured out kind of background, I said to her, all right, look, I understand I'm eminently unqualified. But there has to be something I could do. And she said, there is go volunteer on a suicide hotline. Now, until you've done that, leave me alone. And I, so I you know I did I did the crazy thing. I I did what she told me to do. And when I when I talk about this story in my book, I had to I had her name is Amy Bondra. I had to get back with Amy to put her name in the book. I could have told the story without her name, but I, I don't like doing that. Um, I like you know giving attribution, giving credit what's it's due. And Amy said to me, you know, the course of my career, I told a thousand people to do that, and two people did. You were one of them. So this mentor thing, if you want a mentor, you become known as somebody who, who asks good questions and then is smart enough to follow good answers. You gotta have mentors all over the place. It's not, it's not that hard. And I had people helping me every step of the way in my life, different people, because I was willing, willing not to just listen, but to follow the good advice that I was given. <laughs>
0: Hey guys, just a quick reminder, stop by manofwar.live and pick up your free guide titled Seven Steps to the Making of a Modern Day Warrior. Now back to the show. So Chris, how did you get the uh, title for the book?
1: Well, you know, and the title came up sort of, I hate to use the term organically because then it makes me sound like some sort of touchy-feely academic, right? But uh, I, you know, my co-writer is a guy named Tal Ross, who is uh, I, I got him on the team because he's the best business writer on the planet, bar none. I mean, Tall doesn't write fiction. You know, he doesn't write you know any of the other kind of books, all the different genres that are out there. He writes business. And if Tall wrote, if you Google Tall Rose, you read anything he's written about business. He is a freaking genius. And so the where the title comes up, you know, the, what does that have to do with the question you asked me? Well, we write the book and the entire talk tall says he waits for the perfect phrase while he's writing a book to jump out of him, because he's not a negotiator. He's a business writer. So he's kind of learning this along the way. And we were probably nearly done with the book. We had another working title, a couple of different working titles. And Tall says, this is it, man. This is this is what captures the essence of your book. Never split the difference. He says, because you talk about how stupid it is to split the difference and why it's stupid. You know, the, the guy who wants, there's an old saying, the person who wants to meet you out halfway. The person who offers to meet you halfway is often a poor judge of distance. And that's one of the first reasons why you don't want to split the difference, because it's probably a sucker move from the other side is manipulating you. So I said, yeah, I mean, you know, your gut instinct all is so good, We, you know, we love it. And that's why we titled the book Never Split the Difference.
0: Now, have you used your negotiation skills in life outside of uh, hostage negotiation, that maybe you were in a situation where, um, as an entrepreneur or a situation where you needed to defend yourself? Talk to me about that. Constantly.
1: And that was what started this whole journey because when I first started volunteering on the suicide hotline to learn how to become a hostage negotiator, again, it was what I was told to do, and I did it. I mean, I started doing insane things on the phone with people, and and having these outcomes that I never imagined would be possible. Uh, you know, crazy thing about a suicide hotline is you're limited to twenty minutes on a call. I'm like 20 minutes, but every time I've seen one of these in the movies, you know, they're on the phone for hours. And they're like, no, if you if you do this right, you get it done in 20 minutes. I, you know, I I can't I can't put in an order at McDonald's in 20 minutes. I mean, how am I gonna do this in 20 minutes? But that's that's a great thing about this uh, emotional intelligence, weaponized emotional intelligence, if you will. When you when you start getting into it. And then you're like, all right, so I got to figure out a way how to make this work in my personal life. And I started I started experimenting with it. And I think in in the early adaptation phase, you know, it was probably about 75 percent successful. But then when it wasn't, I still wanted to know why. You know, I I, I used it once with the ex-Mrs. Voss and she blew up. (laughs) Um, I'm like, all right, so what happened here? I know I know this is fundamentally sound. There's got to be a problem in my application. I know it's fundamentally sound. So yeah, and, and I've continued to use it in all, all of my business and personal interactions. And the people that, that we teach in business are just making stuff happen that, that they never thought that they would make happen. They're cracking open deals that they never thought that they failed at previously. And they're, and they're passing by their competitors in, in every, every sense of the, the world.
0: In your book, you talk about uh, going to the Harvard Law School negotiation course. Talk to me a little bit about that and how that was. I imagine it was a definitely a challenging time.
1: Well, you know, they were, yeah, they were, they were open to collaboration early on. I mean, if it says hostage negotiator on your business card, that's a great intro. And um, you know, Hassett, uh, Harvard has got these executive education programs that you can, you pay enough money and go. And I managed to swing. Uh, convince my boss that uh, in order to make our program better, he should he should pay to send me to the program and then I would bring all the knowledge back. My real objective was to get up there and hand the guy who was in charge my business card and let him react. Hostage negotiate. So I did and he was like, ooh, interesting, okay, you know, we should talk. And um, I got into it and uh, we went back and forth and finally I can, you know, uh, it didn't take much convention because they're smart enough to know You know, don't be afraid of uh, knowledge from other people. There's an old saying that's attributed to uh, Leonardo da Vinci that says a good artist borrows and a great artist steals, which is mean don't be scared of what somebody else knows. You know, share knowledge. And the Harvard guys, you know, they want to they want to be the mecca of um, negotiation knowledge. So they're like, yeah, you know, talk, come on up. They, uh, they agreed to let me go through the negotiation course, and I went through the negotiation course, and I just did hostage negotiations 101 with these guys. And, you know, just just sticking to the playbook and hostage negotiation. And I said, you know, I don't know what I'm supposed to do, so I'm just going to do this and see what happens, which is actually an important part of negotiation. You know, let go of your objective, be kind of, you know, Zen like, be samurai like, if you will. Um, focused on the process and let the outcome take care of itself. And I started just just blowing these guys out of the water. And I'm not a smart guy. I am I am a regular average Joe, which made it particularly delightful for me because you got to have a great big giant brain to get into Harvard Law School. I mean, these are kids, youngsters in their early twenties, that up to that point in their life there is nothing that they have encountered the sheer force of their intellect wasn't able to overcome. I mean, just giant brains. That's why they're at Harvard Law School. And I was just getting the best of them each and every time because IQ is no match for EQ. It's just not. And those guys are coming at me with IQ and I was killing them with EQ.
0: Was it like a a sit-down type of thing where both of you were communicating or was it... Uh, you know, you kind of just going at it with them, you know, in, in different settings.
1: Um, the way they would do it is like what mo- most negotiation courses are in most universities, which is not exactly like the way I teach it. But they give you uh, scenarios, you know, different, all sorts of different types of business scenarios, personal scenarios, single party negotiations. You know, they 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 do a very building block approach the first negotiation they put in is just negotiation over selling an iPhone. And they run it all the way up to multi-party negotiations involving cities and unions and uh, multi- multiple stages. They just keep making it more and more complicated. but they give you roles to play. you know they give you a brief to outline a, a persona to adopt and uh varying levels of complexity and you have a counterpart you sit down you try to work it out
0: interesting interesting so tell me about that what that one time that you actually talked someone down whether it was someone trying to commit suicide whether it was someone trying to kill another person uh, in essence, someone that was trying to commit a violent crime. Do you, were you ever put in that position before?
1: There was, uh, you know, it's uh, someone trying to commit a violent crime. I mean, then it becomes, is the crime uh, and, and the victim? Are they the object or are they the instrumentality? I mean, are they, is, uh, are they trying, threatening to kill somebody because they want to get out of the bank? Are they threatening to kill somebody because they hate this person? Now, in the bank, bank robbery that that, uh, I negotiated with hostages, we had two characters on the other side. We had the first guy who was a highly manipulative guy, which comes, ends up translating exactly into a lot of business negotiators. He's uh, learned a lot about business negotiation from this guy trapped in this bank. He was manipulating everybody. The second guy that I dealt with on a phone, which is actually the first guy to come out, the second negotiator, because the manipulative guy couldn't manipulate me. You know, my EQ approach put me in a position where he couldn't, he actually had a manip, an EQ approach himself, but it was highly manipulative and wasn't working on me. So he hands the phone off to this other guy. Second guy is a former corrections guy who's been fired several years earlier. He goes out with Mr. Manipulative, and thought that they were going to burglarize the bank, burglarize a cash machine. He didn't know it was going to turn into a bank robbery. So this is a guy who's in crisis because he's trapped in a bank surrounded by the world's seventh largest standing army who's got sniper rifles pointed at his head. And he is not, that was not his plan for the day when he got up that morning.
0: Oh, I got you
1: there. <laughs> so, that you know, these guys, but they've got hostages inside and, and they're doing a really smart move. They're doing indirect threats to the hostages. Which our guy number one, Mr Manipulative, his gut instinct, which is accurate, is you know, an, an indirect threat is a lot more powerful than a direct threat. It sort of it, it it raises the level of awareness on the other side, while simultaneously keeping the you know, the chances that we're gonna come kick down the door because we think the threat is eminent eminent down. Like guy number one, he used to always say to us on the phone, you know, these other guys that are with me, they're really dangerous, and I just don't know what they're going to do. He says, I'm going to put you on hold for a few minutes. Well, because, you know, the girls, there were two females and one male inside. They said, I, you know, the girls want to go to the bathroom, so I'm going to put you on hold. What he did with that kind of a statement was simultaneously remind us that he had hostages and that they were in peril, but then he separated himself from being the source of that peril. Says is the other guy's here, are dangerous, you know. But uh, I'm taking good care of the hostages. What does that do? What that does is it keeps the sniper scope from focusing on his forehead, and he knows that. Um, and he's and this is a guy who's keeping his wits about him. is understanding how to level threats but not be the source of the threat, so that you're not mad at him. It's great business negotiation technique. Guy number two, when 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 guy number one is manipulative, when when his stuff is just bouncing off me and he's not getting anywhere, he just he just decides to no longer talk on the phone, hand the phone to the next guy. The Next guy is first he's worried about living at all, and then now then he's worried about um, being treated roughly when he comes out. So his threat against the hostages is more like you know like I'm I'm really kind of more worried about me. And I got, a, I got an emotional intelligence package for this guy. And 90 minutes later, that guy's at the door.
0: Well, Definitely uh, intensity. Intensity. In those situations, I mean, you got to dig deep. I mean, sometimes they go multiple hours, three, four, five. What's the longest uh, situation that you've been in, time-wise?
1: Well, un- un- uninterrupted com- um, communication. Um, that bank... Went about 12 hours. A crazy thing that we came to find out when I was still with the FBI, and we were pulling data from this something called the HOBUS project, which is a hostage barricade system. You can predict within two to three hours of how long each particular siege is going to go. There's spontaneous, planned, and prepared for. Spontaneous is a guy waving a gun around in his house who didn't really, uh, the emotions of the the moment overtook him and he started threatening people. That's gonna go from two to six hours. Uh, Planned bank robbery. Um, Individuals at a location that's not their own home. You know, that's gonna gonna go six to 12 hours. Nine is a real common amount of time. Probably gonna be over in about nine hours, not less than six. Rarely more than twelve. Prepared for a planned siege. That's multiple days. Separate ball game from an international kidnapping. I've worked international kidnappings that lasted six years. That's not that's not constant wow. contact. Uh, it's not constant communication, but you know, you there is regularly planned contact with the bad guys over that. And you know, those uh, terrorist event, terrorist organization who's got the infrastructure to support it. What, what terrorists are those? Those are terrorists, South American, Colombian terrorists, the FARC, the ELN, those guys, you know, will go for, for six, seven, eight years with a hostage. Philippines terrorists, those are going to go anywhere from two, two to 12 months, probably. They got a little bit of an infrastructure, but not as, not as far. Middle Eastern terrorists. Those have gone longer and longer over the years as the money has gone higher and higher, and it's worth it's worth their while to go longer. You know, they can score they score from a Western European hostage in the Middle East. You know, the uh, Western European government Germany, France, Italy those governments will step step in and, and pay millions upon millions of dollars. You start getting a few million dollars for uh, for a hostage, you can you can hold on to it for a little bit longer. It's good money. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I bet. And I bet a lot of it uh, goes unreported also. Uh, we don't know anything about that down here. You Absolutely. Know? So uh, quick quick question here. So the overall, I mean, when you look back and you say your career took you through the path of being a police officer to an FBI agent and now to an entrepreneur, I mean, the entire journey itself, I believe that those years that you did in the FBI Negotiation team really kind of built um, a setting stone for you to go into business. It kind of catapulted you there. So, in essence, what advice can you give our listeners as far as negotiation skills? You know, it, it, one or two things would be great, but I'm more in tune about what they can use in real life, in their daily life.
1: Well, the uh, first thing is, you know, focus on getting just a little bit better each day. Um, you know, don't too, put too much pressure on yourself to be really good quickly. If, if you try to get just a little bit better each day, you'll be surprised at a month will go by. Actually, if you're trying to get a little bit better each day in about three weeks, you're going to be stunned at the difference that you, the distance that you've traveled. You know, the first one is the negotiation secret to gain in the upper hand that a negotiation is giving the other side the illusion of control. How do you do that? You let the other guy talk. If you get good at paraphrasing people, it just—it just for—for it just for two weeks, you focus on paraphrasing what the other person says. You're going to find yourself getting your getting your way a lot, much more than you in instances than you would have otherwise. Paraphrasing is this stupidly effective, ridiculous way to get your way there you know there was a study with uh wait waitresses in restaurants and the way all they did was paraphrase the patrons orders they just repeated them back to them they didn't go out of their way to be super nice you know they, they didn't any any of this other nonsense all they did was paraphrase their, their tips were 70 percent higher You'd be surprised at how much farther you can get with just something as simple as paraphrasing. If you you do that right off the bat, just experiment with it. I mean, if you're worried about it in your business conversations, do it over lunch. Do it at your social interactions. Gain a feel for how far it can get you, which is far in your non-negotiation conversations so that then you can turn around and use it in your negotiation conversations
0: that's a great idea. I mean, that's a great technique just to sit there, have a conversation with someone, even it's not even if it's not regarding negotiation, but you'll sit there and paraphrase and and kind of train at it and you'll become better at exactly. it. Sure. Yeah. So, one last question here before we go. We're a little bit short on time. What advice can you give someone that is in a hostage negotiation that they are taken hostage?
1: All right, so the, the, the main thing is, if you're taken hostage, make sure they, they know your name. It's that simple. Um, it was an, there was an American that was uh, pre- previously one of the longest-held hostages overseas, a guy named Terry Anderson, from the 1980s. And he ch- took it, changed his whole attitude from, you can't take me hostage, to, I am your hostage, and therefore you have to take care of it." And he got far better treatment. Um, And part of that is making sure they know who you are as a human being. And they know who you are as a human being by just making them use your name. Like if they they want you to move from one side of the room to the other side, you'll look them in the eye and say, I'm Chris. I'll, I'll do whatever you say. I'm Chris. As soon as they start seeing you as a human being, everything changes. It's harder for them to hurt you. It increases the chances that you'll survive. You'll survive and you'll be treated better in the process. You know, don't worry about getting to know them. Make sure they get to know you, which is completely the opposite of what a, a lot of sales training is. And it's a, it's a big mistake that a lot of salespeople make. They wonder why they, they're getting turned down all the time when they spend all this time getting to know the, 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 uh, the customer. Well, they're getting turned down because the customer never got to know them. You need them to get to know who you are as a human being.
0: Sounds great, sounds great. Well, we've taken some really fascinating things and, and you've taught us quite a bit here. I really thank you for your time. Now, Chris, where can people reach you? All right. The easiest
1: way is to sign up for, uh, we put out a once a month complimentary newsletter. Uh, complimentary is free. And I had an old friend that used to like to say, if it's free, I'll take three. Uh, and there's short digestible piece, uh, articles in each newsletter, plus the avenue to our website, Um, different training that we're putting on in different parts of the country. A lot of stuff that we put out for free. You know, the the best avenue to all of this, to everything that we're doing, where to buy the book at the best price, which, which is almost always Amazon. But so the newsletter is the edge. And the easiest way to sign up for it is to send a text to the number 22828. And it's 22828. And the text that you send is FBI empathy, all one word, don't use spell check, autocorrect and and put a space in there. Upper or lower case doesn't matter. FBI empathy, all one word, not case sensitive. Shoot that out to 22828, you'll get a response back that, that'll let you sign up for the newsletter, and that's the avenue to everything that we do. The, the website's blackswanltd.com. The book has never split the difference the newsletter is the is the avenue to all of that
0: well that sounds great chris once again i thank you for your time and thank you for being in our show and we learned a bunch here we look forward to having you back soon
1: it was my pleasure thanks for having me on all right
0: buddy stay safe out there thank you gentlemen thank you for tuning in i really appreciate your support we have been doing absolutely phenomenal here basically 10 times better than I would have ever expected. I have some awesome guests lined up here over the next few weeks. Also, reviews are so important to keep the podcast up and relevant. That way it helps people out there find us. Obviously, if you can give us a review, I really would appreciate it, an honest review. And of course, if you can share the podcast. Also, don't forget... To visit the website, sign up for our newsletter, manofwar.live, and also stop by warriorbreed.co. We have our online virtual training program going live August 10th. This is going to be a badass program. This is something very unique, very specific to living the warrior life and helping you build a stronger and better life that embodies the warrior spirit. And guys, thank you for your support. And I look forward to bringing you the best podcasts that are related to living the warrior life. Stay safe, guys. Until next time, remember your journey may be challenging and full of dangers, but never retreat. Your next battle may be your greatest victory. Stay safe, gentlemen.